Ding, 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 ding. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of The podcast in which a group of The podcast in which a group of B-Side. Hello and welcome back to B-Side. I'm Tom, and today we'll be discussing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And this, of course, is Ang Lee's film from uh, the year 2000. And today we're going to be looking at it through this idea of myth building and and that type of concept and how we bring about myths um, and how the stories we tell are designed to invent the past and the usefulness and the necessity of inventing our past. And so I'm going to start here from a quote by um, Michelle Yeoh's character, uh, Yu Shulin, and the quote goes, without rules, we wouldn't survive for long. And this is what this uh, somewhat self-made and romantic character uh, says. Um, and she's saying this in the context of she's meeting the young Jen. And for people who don't know this movie or haven't seen it, uh, Jen is the daughter of the governor. She is an aristocrat and she is also an extremely talented martial artist who has decided to steal this legendary 400 year old sword called Green Destiny. And she's apparently stealing it for the sake of stealing it. Um, and she's also in a condition right now where she's about to get married in an arranged marriage to a powerful family. She's marrying a uh, academic. However, she sees herself bound towards this romantic life of these sort of wandering warriors. And we're going to talk about, talk about that as well. But that is basically the plot. Yushun Lin is played by, as I said before, Michelle Yeoh, and she is in um, in uh, Peking guarding the the city. She's providing security for the city, and the sword has come into the city, this legendary sword, sword called Green Destiny, as a gift to one of the major figures in the city, and then Jen who's visiting with her father, the governor, steals that story. Um, and Jen is this romantic woman who is looking into the past for some sort of freedom. She doesn't have it because she's getting married. Her life, though she has a lot of social power as an aristocrat, it's also highly regulated. Uh, and, and Jen, therefore, looks to you as a, a kind of figure of escape and use longtime uh, friend played by um, played by Chow Young Fat and that is uh, Lu Mubai. And these are these two legendary warriors who uh, have you know kind of wandered from place to place in China correcting wrongs and whatnot. You could think of this as somewhat equivalent to um, the man with no name, the Clint Eastwood character who goes from place to place and, and involves himself in 
certain problems for the community. Uh, Yushu Lin and uh, Li Mubai are are somewhat like that. And and Jen really wants their life. She really values their lifestyle. However, as uh, Yushu Lin tells her, you know, this is a romanticized version of of the the warrior life. It's actually much less pleasant than it appears. Um, but as I said before, Jen really can't see Lou for who she is. Um, the woman before her is fictionalized, romanticized, idealized. She stands in for history, a warrior history, a past romanticized history that Jen herself has stitched together from legends older than this 400-year-old sword she steals. It's this sort of collection of melancholia and mania, a freedom from the peasant by inventing the past. History and biography diverge in ways that the biographer often fails to notice. Um, One moves in great ways, the other slight and simple. Fat history versus thin time. Um, Jen's marriage is thin time. The knowledge of place, of purpose, a knowledge not to be challenged but embodied in the day-to-day acts of living. This is thin time. The world they inhabit, that all of these characters in Crouching Tiger inhabit, is passing through fat time. This is the, the 19th century Qing dynasty, the last dynasty to rule China, which in 1912 would become the Republic of China and in 1949, of course, become the People's Republic of China. This world may seem traditional to us, the audience, but if it is, it's one of the last performances of that tradition, fat history shifting its weight, moving to the present, moving into the 20th century. This world, too, I should, rec- I, I should mention, has been invented by uh, Wang Dulu, who is the author of the book. The book is part four of five in his uh, Crane Iron Pentology novel series, published between the late 1930s and 1940s. And I'm going to touch on that a little later, but that's, that's the source of this material. What is a real master when nothing in this world is real, says Chao Yongfat's character, uh, Li Mubai. He says this to Jen in an attempt to convince her to be his student. What world, we wonder. Jen herself can hardly seem to keep her feet on the ground. Her physical flights through the city mirror the flights of fancy, her flights of fancy. Wuxia, which is a... Uh, a, a Chinese kind of sword drama fiction, a, a sort of um, pulpy novel form. This is what uh, um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is is written in. It is uh, wuxia. It's a wuxia novel, and the movie takes its cue from these things. And yes, they do originate thousands of years ago, and they're they're a little more uh, considered high high literature then, and they move in the 20th century to being much more of a, a kind of pulp Western equivalent. Um, but it seems in this as if if wuxia, if these stories, if these legends themselves 
our kind of inspiring Jen to trade in her biography, her thin history, um, for a, a fat history, right? For participation in these larger, larger legends and things like that. But it's a history, you know, even though she won't have the privileges of her class, it will be history she herself has power over. He, she herself can write. And in, in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, in that sense of the past, in that invention of the past, in that sort of wuxia formulation of the Qing dynasty, which is going on in the movie, right? Where, you know, we are watching this movie in the 21st century, looking at the 19th century and imagining it as this, this older, traditional, pseudo-magical culture. Um, but the characters there, especially Jen, is looking at her world and imagining the the past lives of Yushu Lin and uh, Li Mu Bai, Michelle Yeoh and Chao Young Fat's characters, and imagining their past as idealized, as romanticized, as I said before. Thomas Mallory, the, the famous author of uh, Le Mort d'Arthur, uh, offered England something similar in his work, uh, allowing the nation to invent a mythical origin through the Arthur legend, and his nation, of course, was England, right? And this is a fantasy anyone can find his or her better self in. Uh, Chetien de Troyes, who um, basically wrote the, the French version of this, uh, Le Saint Graal, the, the Sacred Graal, earlier, about three centuries before Thomas Mallory, which puts him around, I think, the 1190s, did the same thing, inventing a Sacred Graal legend, a, a mythical past into which the people, the French-speaking people, can look for for ideals, but also for adventure. We kind of do this in America as well with the 1950s, with uh, DC and Marvel. Um, DC and Marvel tend nowadays to operate in the present tense, but you could think more of this, this idea of the 1950s as this ideal American time, right? As this time that, um, that things kind of worked well. And, and it makes sense. America was becoming the global superpower in the 1950s. And so even though relative to the 1950s, we have a lot more wealth, we have a, a higher standard of living, we live longer, we live with better technology, etc. This idea of the, the open future is probably, and, and the adventure of the 1950s, right, which kind of leads into the space race and, and all these other things, um, that seems to be the mythical past Americans invent. I mean, we also do that with other figures. I mean, George Washington and the cherry tree is, is a very famous example where this guy, this guy drops down a cherry tree for some reason and then can't lie about it for some other reason. However, this ends up getting told to, to school children as a means of invent, inventing the mythical past. And it is almost as if the mythical past is a human need. Right? And Jen is partaking in that human need. And uh, Li Mubai and Yushulin are, are maybe coming out of that. They're coming into middle age, if not there already. And they're characters who have suffered a lot, have seen a lot, 
have been inspired to, to some extent, move past the the romantic past, especially uh, Li Mubai. He gives up Green Destiny because of all the blood it's spilt, and we can call him a realist if you if you'd like. You know, he sort of sees the world for what it is. With Wuxia, again, Wuxia is the the uh, the genre that this this movie is done in this kind of sword uh, Ch- uh, Chinese sword drama. Um, he's sort of seeing it for what it is, right? Which is, you know, not the glory of the Shang Dynasty, um, but a lot of bloodletting. Right. However, I will say there is a difference between the Mallory idea of, of King Arthur, the the Chotin de Trois idea of uh, La Sangral, and the American idea of the 1950s, and that those three three writers or those two writers in that one let's call it a nationalistic concept, um, there really are nationalistic, and we could argue about uh, de Trois. Um, However, it's really hard to argue about Mallory and about the American 1950s. Mallory is writing in the 1470s. Uh, Le Mort d'Arthur is published by William Caxton in 1485. And if you know your history very well, the 1480s were the last decade of the War of the Roses, the great war in England between the Lancasters and the Yorks, the, the inspiration for Game of Thrones, if anybody's a fan of that show. And we see at the end of that decade, a few years after the publication, the um, Richard III is killed on the battlefield, and Henry Tudor, later to be crowned Henry VII, takes the throne. This marks the end of the Plantagenet line and the beginning of the Tudor line. The Plantagenet line came into effect in the middle of the 12th century with Henry II, and so this is the this is an enormous change in english history and so if you are facing a crisis of change an uncertain future a separation from the past and henry tudor as henry 7 is a separation from the past he's a separation from the plantagenet dynasty which ruled um started ruling england less than 100 years after the conquest by william the 1st so England is like the land of the Plantagenets up to that point. And if you in the 1480s are, after decades of civil war, the War of the Roses started in the 1450s, are seeing this this seemingly ancient line die out and become something else, you look to the past for comfort. And so Arthur, the Knights of the Round Table, Lancelot, they, they invent that past. And this isn't to say that the past that Thomas Mallory invents, or you can even maybe think of it as collects, because a lot of these legends were living in, in this culture up to that point, and in French culture as well. It's not as if those legends aren't filled with troubled people, with complicated people, with flawed people, with people who make the past, um, let's say, not ideal, but actually human actually real albeit there is magic and you know a sacred grail and all that stuff um however mallory does make a human past 
but it is a past in which England as England and Englishness as Englishness is on the rise. It's about establishment, right? So even if Arthur is far more complex than, you know, uh, George Washington is in the Cherry Tree Legend, or Lancelot certainly is far more complex, it's still not questioning the the holy origin of the nation. It is it is celebrating it and it is recognizing it, it on the rise, just as the people who are probably reading this when it's first published in the middle of the 1480s see their world as in some way transitioning, changing, becoming something new. But getting back to the the actual movie here, getting back to um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I will say Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is not nationalistic. It's not about the invention of the Qing dynasty, right? Um, these aren't stories that govern nations. They govern childhood fantasies. Jen lives through these fantasies. Her fear is the fear of the traps of society, those traps that society forces on her, um, and, and she escapes into this imagined past. And her talent, and she's an, uh, the, the movie lets us know she's a tremendous martial artist, and that she really, um, she really is deserving of of training, right? And Xiao Young Fat's character is the only person who even comes close to to equaling her in talent. Um, but that kind of amazing talent allows her to say, stay, right? Stay in in this fantasy she's created, and. Um, this becomes rage without association, power without civilization, but it offers nothing. Now, this isn't a blanket endorsement of civilization. Liu Mubai has fought for too many years for honor and for other virtues in his community. And uh, in a moment of meditation, he's decided that he has, he has had too much civilization, right? He has had too much of this. He has too much order. He has too much uh, uh, duty to the, the the kind of battles that he's partaken in. Um, the relationship between him and Yushulin has grown warm. And between them, um, they there, there's a certain heat that they haven't acted on because he was uh, very close friends with her fiancé who had died in battle. And um, this, this brother-like companion for you has kind of barred his way into a romantic relationship with Yushu Nin. But at this point, after his deep meditation, he has decided he's not going to worry about that anymore, right? That this kind of, this kind of code of ethics is something that is, is barring happiness. It's a past. It's a, a, um, it's a conception of how to behave, a code of chivalry, that no longer serves any purpose, right? It's it's a dead appendage. It's past history. Um, and for the space between them to collapse, that is the space between um, you and uh, Yushulin, um, or Yushulin and, uh, uh, excuse me, Yushulin and Li Mubai, for that space to collapse, um, that part of civilization that chivalry comes out of, that sort of idea of the deontological code of ethics, that it, it's inside of us all, and for them it has to fade away, to dry up or to bleed out. Genesis opposite. 
she can't be defeated by rage and force, but she is defeated through the gentleness of bamboo, through the the smoothness, the stillness, um, the smoothness of an economy of motion. That defeats her. She's anarchy. She's made from rebellion without re- without aim. Rebellion for the sake of rebellion. It's a, it's a child's worldview, right? It's it's the worldview that romanticizes James Dean. Uh, you is on the other side of this. His gentleness that has come out of surrender. And if we zoom out now and look at fat history, right? The 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 big moves and whatnot. So this this, this five book series um, on which this work was based, it, it begins in 1778. And this is really, if you know anything about this, is the height of the Shang dynasty. The High Shang period, it, it's usually listed as uh, like 1683 to 1839, right? And the height of that period was the rule of, I believe it's pronounced the Kualong Emperor, and he ruled from 1735 to 1796. And we saw uh, China expand to its largest size ever. I think it's even larger than, than China is today. It developed economically a great deal. Uh, and th- the first book takes, starts in 1778, really in the midst of the, of the High Chang period, and it introduces Lu uh, as a child who has yet to be trained. And Lu is, is Chao Yun-fat's character in this movie. He's middle-aged in this movie, but... In the first book of the series, he's still a child. Um, and 30-some-odd years pass between the beginning of the first book and this. Um, and in other words, so what we're seeing in the film is taking place just as the high point of this society is passing away. It hasn't yet, right? Because, you know, it's like 30-some-odd years. Um, we're into the 19th century, uh, we really see a, a very strong um, Chang dynasty up to, as I said before, the late se- uh, 1830s. However, at this point, we are in probably somewhere in um, the early parts, maybe the second decade of the 19th century. And so the great emperor is gone, and slowly we're moving away from the high point, right? Um, the high point of the society is about to pass on. So we have this this fat history going on, right, uh, behind this thin history of these characters, this fat history, this kind of Hegelian thesis antithesis, a world about to pass into a, a melancholic future, a future that's slower, older, uh, surrendering its glory days. Um, this isn't the end of history, but the end of a particular history, right? Um, it's, it's the way and the inspiration for Sir Thomas Mallory's writing, we can assume. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing here. And the myth also comes at the time of transition uh, that uh, the author Wang Dulu is experiencing. So Wang Dulu was born in... Wang Dulu was born in 1909, you know, and this is the last few years of the dynasty. So the author of this book was born in the same dynasty in which this this movie takes place, right? Um, the Chang Dynasty, 
Uh, so he was born in 1909. He was born at the the end of this dynasty. And in 1912, China leaves behind a tradition several thousand years old, the dynastic tradition, and then China becomes a republic. Um, this these books are published before and during you know the Great World War, World War Two, and then. Um, Shortly after the publication of these books, I think the last book was published in um, 42, I want to say, even though I'm not positive about that. In 1949, China meets Mao, and the world transitions again. And, uh, you know, he, Wang Dulu, it's, it, that's a pseudonym. His name is uh, Wang Bexchang, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, but anyway, Wang Dulu... He um, he lives on. He lives on till 1977. However, you know, at this point, China has transitioned once more into the People's Republic of China, and this is where kind of fat and thin history meet. Jen in in this movie, she embodies the fading world. She's an individual that has to grow up and learn what tragedy is. For her, it's entirely a a narcissistic experience. Her life is a narcissistic experience. She wants freedom, and so she takes it. Um, but she ends up learning when her mentor, Jade Fox, kills uh, kills you, um, excuse me, kills uh, Li Mubai, what it means to be responsible for a death. She kills no one up to that point. She kills no one after that either but she then learns what tragedy is she learns to see a person a history which we all are we are embodied history pass on to die and this is this is tragedy tragedy in some way is to know that history changes not just the fantasy of what history was Great ages are those times that are no longer with us, and great people are those people who will not do great things again. And I think this movie ends with that recognition. It ends with the passing of what was great while recognizing that possibly we are making up or inventing things that are great because we need them. We need a living, breathing, surprising, romanticized, lovely past to keep us going. And the tragedy of life is maybe that not only that past is no longer with us, but maybe that that past never existed. And that the act of growing up, that kind of private death that each person endures, while coming of age is a recognition that the past, that fat history, is not quite as interesting as we thought it was, and that the the things we need are not embodied in this great struggle, the 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 myth that comes out of our understanding of the world we're in. But it comes from 
the you know the people around us and at this point that sounds cliched certainly um however i think that's what's happening in this movie i think this movie ends in this kind of melancholic recognition that the place for jen was the desert where she met her lover lou and that gl the glory of um of the kind of wuxia romance um that she she hoped to find was in fact itself always an illusion thank you very much for your time this has been b-side